All right, let's turn the Word of God to Genesis chapter 6. We'll start there tonight. Again, on Sunday nights, the last few weeks, we started this chronological study of the Bible. And so you've got to look at it more like a, like a, like a, a class, right? We're not having Sunday school, but uh, uh, some interesting stuff here. But we'll read Genesis 6. We'll begin at verse 5, read down to 14, then read verse 18. Genesis 6, beginning in verse 5, says this in the Word of God. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Uh, anybody think man's changed? No. <laughs> that could have been today's headline. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping things and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Ah, but thank God for verse 8. Amen. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, they asked the little boy, does anybody know where Noah got his wife? He said, well, in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I don't think that was his wife's name, but that was a good answer for a little boy in Sunday school. Verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Can two walk together, ship they be agreed? It says in Amos 3.3, 3, so they must have agreed. And Noah begat three sons. Now notice this, Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh hath corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. I notice it said he had his three sons. Then it says the Lord said. So how many think that he already had his sons when God said this to him? Right. Verse 14. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Verse 18. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come in the ark. Thou, look at here, and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee. Let's go ahead and pray again first. Heavenly Father, again, we come before you and we claim the blood and name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we just thank you again for that great love. We're with you love us, Lord, when we are godly, when we were yet without strength, uh, dear God. Lord, uh, when we were yet in sin, you committed your love toward us. And so, Lord, we want to say thank you tonight, and we praise you for that, and we glory in you. And, uh, dear God, we just say we appreciate that tonight. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's here and everybody that's listening. Lord, I pray you'd work in every heart. If by chance there's somebody here listening that's not saved, God, please open that heart and draw that one unto you tonight that they'd be saved. Oh, what a great day to repent of your sins and put your trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, those of us that are saved, dear God, would you draw us just a little bit closer to you? May we desire you a little bit more. May we thirst for you a little bit more. May we hunger for you a little bit more. May we just yield a little bit more. So help us now as we look at these things in the Word of God that we'd learn to rightly divide the Word of God and grow in the grace and knowledge of Thee and You'd be glorified thereby and use it to build Your local church. In Jesus' name, amen. 
In Jesus' name, amen. And just before we get in those verses, let's do, uh, always do a little review from last week. And again, remember we looked at uh, the, the first Adam and the last Adam and some things that were introduced by the first Adam and uh, some things that the last Adam dealt with. We saw that uh, just a couple of things that, the, of course, the first Adam introduced death and we know the last Adam dealt with death. We know the first Adam brought a curse. The last Adam dealt with the curse. Uh, uh, the first Adam brought in the sword. The last Adam uh, dealt with the sword. So everything that Adam uh, brought in that was bad, Jesus Christ corrected. Amen. He's the corrector. <laughs> Amen. And he'll correct what needs to be corrected in your life. So we see that when uh, man came into sin, that the Lord came seeking him. And remind us, the word of God is not about God about man seeking God. That's religion. Religion tells you how to seek God. Well, no, the Bible teaches us not that uh, uh, about man seeking God. It teaches about God is seeking man, amen, and loves him. And that's why it says, right, uh, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Seek means to go place to place. And uh, uh, he says, man, if y'all stop moving, amen, I'd catch up to you. But uh, he goes place to place. Aren't you glad he was willing to go place to place to track you down? Amen. He, the first house you lived, aren't you glad? Well, they moved. What am I going to do now? No, he said, ah, amen. He has your new address before you have it. And he'll track you down. And so thank the Lord for that, that he desires to track us down and save us. And of course, he gave that promise right, right after the fall. I mean, before you, you get even near the beginning of uh, Genesis, Genesis 3.15, God already gives the promises, amen, that that seed is going to come. The seed is going to come. That seed of the woman and promised a Savior right away. What a wonderful God. And then, uh, of course, uh, we saw that thing about the lamb. Anybody remember about that? How, how You see the, the, the progression of the lamb through the Word of God in, in Genesis, right, with, uh, with Abel. What do we see there? And then we see something else uh, with the Passover. Then we see something else with the atonement. Then we see something else with Calvary. Anybody remember what that is? Yeah. All right, Sister Pam. Amen. That's just awesome, isn't it? Right there in the, in, uh, with, with Abel, you see, right, one man, one lamb, one man. And, of course, the Passover, uh, again, that's just worth repeating, one lamb for one family. Then the atonement, one lamb for one nation. Then Calvary, one lamb for the whole world. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Boy, he wants to take away what is messing up your life. That's how good of a God uh, he is. And then, I think we sort of finished up on this last week, we got into Genesis 6, right? We talked about some of that, uh, uh, you know, controversial whatever, you know, there, you know, how some people, Genesis 6, when it talks about the sons of God, you know, some people says it's, you know, angels because the Son of God is used as the created beings, and then some people say the godly line of Seth, and I, I told you what, what I thought about that, because it used the term wives, which means a long-term uh, relationship, and, you know, some people say where it says giants, they make it sound like the children of those were giants. And that's not what it says. It just says there were giants in those days. And then after that, you know, uh, the children of those were, you know, people of uh, renown. And it says that all over the place. And, but I said at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because they all died. 
all that. But you know, it's amazing. I don't want to get sidetracked here, but people talk about, well, no, you know, there's a, there's a line there in the Nethanims and all this stuff. And they get into all that stuff and say, listen, whoever they were, whatever they were, one family got on the ark. So whatever happened then, they all died. So at the end of the day, you know, just read those couple verses and say, well, that's pretty interesting. Amen. Let's, let's see what uh, really matters here and, and uh, move on. But, uh, you know, it's, I guess it's fun to sit around and uh, uh, talk about, amen, when you have good coffee to drink, amen, something to talk about when you're drinking good coffee, but interesting stuff there. But uh, let's talk about uh, uh, the flood, amen, the salvation through the flood. Now, here they got salvation through the flood, but, of course, we know it's really salvation through the blood, right? Some through the water, amen, some through the fire, some through the water, amen, but all by the blood. So salvation through the flood. So God informs Noah, right, who found grace in his sight to construct that 450 by 75 by 40 foot floating barge. And, uh, of course, some have limited the word law to the Old Testament, you know. But usually you think of the Old Testament, you think of the law. When you think of the New Testament, you think of grace. But I'm glad there's grace all through the Word of God. He is a, uh, a, a, God, of, he's a God of grace. And so you can sort of say it this way. The Old Testament is the account of how God in grace, God in grace dealt with the nation of Israel and sinners. Right. And of course, mostly it talks about Israel. But again, you see that God has always his message has always been uh, for the whole world. I love it when it talk, he tells all these things to Israel. Then he sort of tags on this little statement and the strangers among you. Don't overlook that. And the strangers among you. And hey, that's where we get in. Amen. Because uh, God's message has always been for the whole world, even though he focused on Israel in the Old Testament. And then the New Testament is the account of how God in grace deals with the church and sinners. So mostly you got Israel in the Old Testament and, uh, and, and sinners. And then in the New Testament, it's mostly about the church and sinners. But it says there, Noah was to cover both the outside and inside of the ark with pitch. Notice that again, Genesis 6, 14. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms thou shalt make in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. I got to correct myself. I mentioned that a couple weeks ago. I said pitch. I used, I said blood, but really it's, it's atonement. But of course we know the, you know the blood, right, is applied for the atonement. But if you look at that word right uh, uh, there, uh, notice in verse 14 it mentions twice. And the meaning of these two words Right. Uh, uh, same word for the word atonement, atonement. Let me give you uh, the definitions of uh, the, the first word there and shout pitch. Right. Uh, and then again, it says pitch at the end. And the, the meaning of these words is this. It means, of course, here, the overlaying of wood with pitch as to make it waterproof. Right. In the practical sense, that's what it's saying there. But it also, amen, helps you understand this. That word also communicates the thought of God covering sin. Persons made reconciliation with God for their sins by imposing something that would appease the offended party, in this case the Lord, and cover the sinners with righteousness. So the most common uh, 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 translation of the word is ransom. It refers to the price demanded in order to redeem or rescue a person. But you see another place uh, uh, where that word is translated. Exodus 30.10 is a good place to look at if you want to understand that. 
right? Because you, you have that, 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 that thought. It's that pitch that protected that ark and protected that family from the wrath of God that came down. What protects us from the wrath of God? Amen. The blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ. Exodus 30.10 says this, And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it through your generations. It is a most holy unto the Lord. So it's a beautiful picture you get there. If you, if you go back and read that and meditate on it and do a little study there, it'll be a good little study for you, but some exciting things to think about there. But uh, let me come back there where verse 13, it says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through him. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now, again, not that this is a big deal, but just to mention it since we're here is we read earlier where God says his days will be, what, 120 years. So a lot of people think, you know, that Noah was in a building program for 120 years. But we saw here that the Lord didn't come to Noah until after his sons were born. All right. So let me just show you this. Look at uh, Genesis 5.32. Genesis 5.32. Uh, somebody have that? Let's see. What's it say there? Joe, Genesis 5.32. And Noah was 500 years old. And Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Javed. How old was he when his sons began to be born? 500 years old. It's pretty clear right there. Right? Now turn over to Genesis 7.6. Genesis 7, 6, and Noah was 600 years old when the floods of waters was upon the earth. So he was around 500 when his children began to be born. We know that his, he already had his children when God came to him, and then he was 600 when he went in the ark. So, you know, you just see that that was, uh, listen, that matter if it was only 50 years, that's still a tough building program, amen, uh, uh, to be in. But, you know, it's just interesting to note that, that it was less than 100 uh, a year. So we give Noah a little break there, amen. Uh, but it is just interesting uh, thing to make sure since we're there to pay attention to so that you get that right. So Noah was to cover both the outside and the inside of the ark with pitch. Again, the Hebrew word there translated pitch is uh, kafar. And almost uh, every other instance in the Old Testament is the word translated atonement. To atone is to cover with the blood. As the oily pitch protected the ark from the flood judgment, so the blood of Christ protects the believer from the sin judgment. Thus far, we may note the following Old Testament types. So as good as you go through the Old Testament uh, to pick up on those, to pick up on those types. Enoch, we saw him a little bit earlier. Enoch is a type of the church being saved from the flood judgment. Right? The church will not go through the great tribulation. Right? B. Noah is a type of Israel being saved through the flood judgment. Israel will go through the great tribulation. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked by this, but we have to remember, what's one of the main purposes of the tribulation? To prepare Israel for the coming of the Lord. And so, you know, people try to, man, I have people tell me all the time, well, you know, uh, 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 the Bible says, how can Jesus suffer and not the church suffer? Hey, listen, uh, Jesus bore my suffering. That doesn't mean we might not go through hard times, but there's a big difference between going through a hard time and the wrath of God be pouring out on you. Hey, God is not going to pour his wrath out upon uh, uh, the church, right? And, you know, I know I, I, I got an uncle every time I go to see him, he's got to bring up Matthew 24 and this and that and, and, and go back and forth. Hey, you can hang around if you want to. 
I'm out of here, right? I'm out of here, right? You want to go through all that, right? If, if, uh, if I'm alive then. But uh, uh, God makes it clear that, right, he, 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 uh, he, he might judge his people. He might chastise his people. Doesn't mean we don't get disciplined if we do something uh, uh, stupid. But that's a big difference between God chastising you and God disciplining his people like he did Israel than literally pouring out uh, his wrath. There, right, uh, with the church. And I'm just going to mention this, even though I've mentioned more. And I said, that's why it is so important how you handle the Word of God. Even the orders of the books are important. And I've mentioned this before, and I'm going to mention it again. Even the orders of the books are important. You know, uh, in some of the country that I've traveled in, their books are in a different order. And you know what? I noticed most people, and, that, and, and their doctrine's messed up. You say, even the order. Right. You have a beautiful picture of God's plan, even in the order that the New Testament is lined up. And I just want to mention again for some that haven't heard. What do you have there? You have the Gospels. Right. And so Jesus Christ came to Israel in the Gospels. Right. And then we know what happens. We know that Israel rejects Jesus Christ. And so the book of uh, Acts, again, is a book of transition. That's why you got to be careful about taking doctrine out of the book of Acts. That's why, you know, uh, uh, some uh, people that believe in water baptism, right? They bring, always bring it up, Acts 2 or 38. But you, see, you look at Acts, in the book of Acts, some people get uh, the Holy Spirit falls on them after baptism. Sometimes it falls on them before baptism and all that stuff. So, you know, you got to be careful uh, what you do with the book of Acts. But you'll notice the, in the first 12 chapters of Acts, Who's the main character? Peter is, right? Peter's focus is Israel, right? Uh, the lat from 13 on, who's the main character? Paul, because he's the apostle to the Gentiles. And so you have Acts. And then what's after Acts? You have what? The church epistles and the pastoral epistles. And then after you get the end of uh, uh, Paul's main uh, writings there, of course, I believe he wrote Hebrews, right? You, you get through with the church age. Well, what happens at the end of the church age? Well, then that's when we're taken out of here, right? Well, right after those epistles, what's the next book? Hebrews. What do you see mostly in Hebrews? It's folk, you see all that Old Testament talk, right? Talking about the priest and talking about the veil and, and talking about all those things that Jesus were a, a type or representation of Jesus Christ. And who understands that? The average Gentile wouldn't understand that, but the average Jew would understand that because once the church leaves, the focus goes back to Israel. Right. So that's why you have that picture of the, the church coming out and then the focus goes back to Israel. And so you have Hebrews and what books are after Hebrews. Right. James, Peter, John. What does it say in Galatians? Paul said, hey, that that Cephas, James and John. Right. Cephas is Peter, that they would go to the circumcision and me under the uncircumcised, right? That Paul was to the Gentiles. That's why all his books are there before that time. Then that's a, you see that picture there? And then you have Hebrews and that's why James, Peter, John, that's why God put those books in that order to give you that picture. And then after God deals with Israel and gets all that settled, what's the last book? Revelation. And then that talks about that, but that's a picture of what? Going in the millennial reign and going into the ages of ages. But isn't that amazing how God put that even in the order that he divinely inspired for his books to be in the word of God? How he, how he pictures that right there in the order in which he puts his books. Uh, in the, that's, that's amazing. Boy, I tell you what, 
how anybody could doubt with a sincere heart that this is the very word of God, that not only he put the words together, he put the books together, together and the order in which they should uh, 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 be played. That's just uh, uh, amazing to me. Didn't mean to get off on all that, but I'm glad I did. Amen. But just since we were mentioned that, I thought it'd be a good thing to recognize. So going on, uh, Noah gathered a male and female of all the earth's animals. Now, we got to remember, everybody thinks all those animals went two by two. But remember, he only took two of what? The unclean animals, right? And then uh, uh, others, he, he, he took more, including seven pairs of the clean animals, such as the ox and lamb. Right? He took there and there and says, and along with him, his wife, three sons and their wives, at the command of God, they boarded the ark. So... We come down to Genesis 7, 1. Notice this. And the Lord said, look at Genesis 7, 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, what's the first word there? Somebody say it. Genesis 7, 1. Come. You know, that's the first time the word come is in the Bible. Remember the principle of first mention. Amen. The principle, for, what does that show? Hey, when God wants you to come, every time God called, he said, hey, come to the place of protection. Come to the refuge. Amen. Come to where the, the blood is applied. Amen. Come to where the pitch, the atonement, right? Where you can be protected. That's the first place that the word come is mentioned. And boy, uh, that's, a, that's an exciting thing to see. He says, hey, I want you to come to a place of protection. I want you to climb that where you'll be safe when the storms are beating all around you. I want you to be in a safe place. Boy, when you come to Jesus, amen, you come to a safe place. You come to where, hey, though the storms of life would beat against you, though the mighty waves would come against you, amen, in Jesus Christ, you're safe from the storm. Boy, that's what he says right there. And he says to you, hey, if you're out there, amen, the storm is about to hit, the life's about to overtake you, the best thing to do is come, amen, and find refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a beautiful thing it is. Come, look at this. And it says, I like this. He doesn't just say come. He says, in all thy house. He wants everybody to get in. Boy, here's some verses. You got, you got some uh, wandering uh, loved ones. You got some, what, claim these verses. Oh, Lord, you said, no in all his house. Lord, I want to bring all my house into Jesus. Amen. I want all my house to get in on the ark. Look at this. He says, thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen, in thee have I seen righteousness before me in this generation. Hey, I don't care how bad this generation is in 2021. You can still live a life that God can see righteousness in you and you can still be the witness that God would have you. But when I read that about it, it says in thine house, of course, I thought about Cornelius there in the book of Acts. Remember when God came to him and told him to go get Peter and uh, they're going over that. In Acts 11, 14 says this. When uh, uh, God told him to go get Cornelius, and they're sort of reviewing that in chapter 11, and it says this, who shall tell thee words, right? And, uh, of course, that's what the angel said to uh, Cornelius. He said, go get Peter, and he shall tell thee words. It said, actually, if you read over 10, it says, he shall tell thee what thou ought to do. Boy, I like that. Listen, uh, people are looking for somebody to tell them what to do in these perilous times. Hey, listen, uh, people, you know, and they're going all the wrong places. He said, hey, don't get to a scientist. He didn't know what you ought to do in times like this. 
Don't get the, don't get the uh, amen, uh, uh, the psychiatrist. He doesn't know what to do in times like this. Don't go get a politician. He don't know what to do in times like this. If you want to know what to do in perilous times, go get the preacher, amen. Go get somebody that will tell you what to do according to the word of God. That's who he told him to go get. Go to the right person. He'll give you what you need. He said, go get Peter. And then it says this. Who shall tell thee words whereby, look at this, thou and all thy house shall be saved. Isn't that good? He said, hey, hey, Noah, come in. Thou and all thy house. Hey, Cornelius, hey, go get Peter. Boy, he'll give you a gospel that'll save you and all your house. And then in Acts 16, remember when the Philippian jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Oh, man, find those verses. Claim those verses. Oh, Lord, I, 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 I got a child. Amen. I don't know where they stand with Jesus Christ. Lord, I got a loved one. I don't know where they stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, find you some good verses like that and claim them. And so uh, uh, go over there. He, he delivers. So Noah gathered again, male and female, and brought them in. So again, this is the first record of the word come. But you know, that's how the Bible ends. The Bible ends with that word. Let me give you a Revelation 22, 17 is this. And the spirit and the bride. Who's the bride? The church. That is our job to tell people to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 22, 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. You see, our words should line up with the spirit of God. Our words should line up with the word of God. We need to make sure. And here it does. The spirit and the bride say, Come. Right, uh, right there, Revelation 20, and let him that is a thirst come. Boy, that word, no, see, there's the key. He that's a thirst. I remember years ago when I, when I was a missionary and, and I'd go to all these countries and, and, and see God do some interesting things. And people used to ask me, they'd say, Brother Stewart, why, why do you see things like that happen over there? And we're not seeing them happen over here. I'll never forget that. They said, why do you see things like that happen over there? And we're not seeing things like that happen here. And that's exactly what I said. I said, if I could only give you one word, that word would be thirst. That word would be thirst. I said, we're not, you know, we, we got, you know, we got our houses and we got our jobs and we got our bank accounts and we got this and that. So we're not thirsting for nothing. Over there, they don't have nothing. So they're thirsting for something real. Oh, listen. Oh, man. Oh, he that thirsteth and hungereth after righteousness shall be filled. Boy, you, you getting complacent in your Christian life? You see you've gotten a rut. You see you're just floating along. You know, a good thing to pray. Lord, make me thirsty. Lord, make me hungry. Make me thirsty for you. Make me hungry for the things of God. Lord, make me, help me to thirst for what's right. A good uh, thought right there. He that is a thirst come because they won't come unless they're thirsty. You know, what's that verse in Proverbs I like? It says, the, it says, it says, the, to the full, the full soul, the full soul loatheth even the honeycomb. Right? But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Boy, if you're a preacher, you need to, you need to think about that verse. And I tell people that because people say, oh, you can't preach like that anymore. They won't put up with that anymore. You're not supposed to preach with what they'll put up or what they won't put up. I says, no, listen, if they're full, it doesn't matter how much you candy coat it. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how sweet you are. They're going to reject it. Just like Thanksgiving, once you're full, 
Amen. Somebody could bring you your, hey, I just found in this your favorite dessert. And you go, oh, <laughs> right? Because you're full, man. You about throw up just looking at it. I bring that back in about two days, man. Right? Bring that back in about two days. Hey, but when you're hungry, amen, when somebody's hungry, it doesn't matter how hard you preach. It doesn't matter how hard you give that truth. People will eat anything but cucumbers if they're really hungry. Let me tell you, they'll do it. Yeah, I'd have to be out for a long time. I'd have to be stuck in the desert. Amen. But listen, hey, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. So don't think, oh, you got to, you know, you got to candy coat things. You got to water things down. Just give them the word of God. Just give them truth and let the truth do its job in their heart. A thirst come and whosoever will. There it is. Everybody gets in. Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Good stuff. So he says to Noah, come. Boy, all through the ages and every generation, the Lord say, come. As bad as it is in 2021, aren't you glad the Lord is still saying, come? Aren't you glad the Lord's still inviting people to come to him, to come to the church and uh, be born again? That is a good God. So next, let us know it's God. It says, God remembered Noah. Amen. Thank God. He remembers you. He'll not forget you. He'll not leave you for a second. God remembered Noah during the flood, and he later would remember. Remember, he remembered Lot in Sodom. He remembered Israel in Egypt. He remembered the thief on the cross, and he'll remember you. So the flood passes, and the ark rests upon the mountains of Ararat. Noah is told by God, what? To be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Adam once heard the similar words, but a word is left out when he says it to uh, words left out when he says it to Noah. He doesn't use the word subdue. See, before he gave man authority in over the earth, right, and told them not only to go be, be fruitful, multiply, but to subdue. But boy, he took a little bit of that uh, from man because man messed up. But now Eden's sin and the flood judgment had so radically changed man's environment that he would find it quite impossible to fully subdue anything. So God now establishes a right. We know the flood comes, uh, the waters abate, and then uh, man makes, God makes a covenant with man. Wait, what's interesting to study? Go through and study the covenants, right? There's conditional covenants and unconditional covenants in the word of God. And so God establishes a rainbow covenant with Noah. And the covenant elements are as follows. God would never again destroy the earth of men through a flood. Through a flood. Look at Genesis 8, 21 and 22. Genesis 8, 21 and 22, where God makes that covenant. It says, And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Right? Uh, uh, Noah sacrificed. It says, And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living, thing living as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. So God gives that promise, right, of that he would not destroy the earth by flood again. So, hey, if you're ever in a place and it's getting flooded, no, he didn't flood the whole earth, so just keep moving, amen? You're going to find a spot to get to, amen? Because he's not going to flood the whole earth again. But we know that one day he is going to destroy the earth again when he makes a new heaven or new earth. But how's he going to do it then? 
is going to do by fire, just the opposite. And you know why God is going to destroy this earth and make a new one? Because that's how much he loves you. That's how much. I remember when I was in Germany one time and, and uh, I think it was Jehovah Witnesses knocked on my door and we got talking about something and they think, you know, the, I think they think the world, the earth's just going to get better in paradise and all that stuff. And I asked them, I said, I said, where are you going to be when God destroys this earth? And they're going to say, oh, is, the, is, is dirt sinful? Huh? Is dirt sinful? Why would God destroy the earth? I said, I'll tell you why he destroyed the earth, because he loves me. That's why he's going to destroy the earth. Because you see, the day I got saved, God, God cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Amen. There is no spiritual evidence. There is no spiritual evidence that Jeff Stewart was ever a sinner. There's no evidence. Spiritually, there's no evidence. I've been cleansed by the power of the gospel and the blood of Jesus Christ. So spiritually, there's no evidence that I was ever a sinner. And then one day he's going to give you a new body. And physically in this body, there'll be no evidence. He'll give me a body that'll live forever. Because what? Sin brings death. He's going to give me a body that won't die. In this body, there'll be no evidence that I was ever a sinner. But you know where there's still going to be evidence? In this earth. Listen, I can be cleansed by the blood. There'll be no evidence spiritually. I can be on this earth in a new body. And you know what somebody could say to you? Because I know how people are. They say, oh, Jeff Stewart, he thinks he... <laughs> Come here, let me tell you something. Yeah, let's go up to Sandusky, Ohio. Oh, let me tell you what Jeff and I did over there. Let me tell you what Jeff and I did over there. Oh, let me tell you what we did over here. Oh, let, hey, I'll take you some other places. Let me tell you what Jeff and I did over there. You see, there'll still be some evidence that people could point to that I was a sinner. But so you know what he's going to do? He's going to get rid of Sandusky, Ohio. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And don't worry, Brother Wood. He's going to get rid of Greenville, too. Amen. He's going to get rid of Greenville. So <laughs> you're lucky, too, right? He's going to get rid of Greenville. And wherever it is you lived, wherever you did those stupid things before you got saved, he's going to get rid of those places. And the only evidence there will ever be that you were a sinner will be in the hands of feet inside of Jesus Christ. And boy, you looking at him, who cares what Jeff Stewart did? You ain't going to be thinking about me. Who cares what Adam Wood did? So tell me beforehand, amen? Tell me beforehand. I won't care then, amen? Who, who's gonna, no one will care, amen? You'll just, just want to praise him and worship him, and you won't care what anybody else. Isn't that a good God? He's going to get rid of all the evidence that you were a sinner. That's what he's going to do. We'll have to finish right there, but he's a, he's a good God. So yeah, he's going to destroy the earth, but he's going to destroy it just as another evidence of how much he loves you and doesn't want there to be any evidence of the things you did against him before you became his child because he loves you. Like we sang about tonight, he loves you so much, he died on the cross and washed you in his own blood and got rid of all spiritual evidence. He loves you so much that he, one day he's going to give you a new body and get rid of all the evidence there. And then he loves you so much, amen, he's going to get rid of all this old world, amen, and put a new one in, amen. And so shall we ever be with the Lord.